What's good, everybody? This is Greg Manakis checking in directly after a soul-crushing double overtime loss to the Emmanuel quickly-led New York Knicks. Guys, games like this really remind me how much I have an unhealthy obsession with this team. Uh, my mood is going to be tied directly to the result of these games for the next three to four months. And I know that's not healthy because odds are the Celtics are going to lose their fair share of games uh, before the end of the season. But that's just the truth of it. I'm super pissed off right now. And uh, I don't know how much longer I can stall making this podcast before I have to go hang out with my lovely girlfriend. Uh, she doesn't deserve a surly Greg just because the Celtics lost. It sucks. But hey, this is who I am. All right, so in this one, quickly was transcendent in a spot start in the absence of star point guard Jalen Brunson. Quickly played a career-high 55 minutes, dropping 38 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, and only 1 turnover. Yeah. I've always been a huge IQ fan, so it was a bit bittersweet to see him galloping all over the court tonight, you know, celebrations that would make uh, Happy Gilmore jealous. But boy, that kid is fun to watch. Uh, the Knicks have something special brewing there in the city that never sleeps. And I know I won't be able to sleep after thinking about yet another missed opportunity to put those Knicks away. All right, to give you a quick rundown of today's pod, Will and I recorded the second half of this podcast before tonight's game. Uh, Will's uh, away for a couple days with his girlfriend, Lorena. So in the second half of the pod, we touch on the Celtics' loss to the Nets, and we also give sincere appreciation for our superstar players in light of the John Morant incidents that have taken place of late. But right now, I'm going to give you a quick morning box score along with my thoughts on this game. All right, Knicks beat the Celtics 131 to 129 in an epic double overtime thriller. As I said, Emmanuel quickly was the star of this one, once again dropping 38 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, four steals, two blocks, and only one turnover. He was also 15 of 28 from the field, five for 12 from three, three for four from the stripe, and made basket after basket whenever the Knicks needed him. Julius Randle wasn't bad himself, playing 47 minutes, scoring 31 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. He hit some huge shots as well, but really needed IQ to take him home down the stretch in the overtimes. Uh, other than that, the Knicks got a fast start from RJ Barrett, who finished with 29 points, and some big rebounding from Mitchell Robinson, who had 14 boards, some big ones there in the second overtime. Josh Hart was awesome in this one. Uh, stat line wasn't too impressive. Chipped in with 10 points and 8 rebounds and 40 minutes off the bench. But with Josh Hart, it is not about the overall box score. It is about just the impact that he has when he's on the court. For the Celtics, Jason Tatum led the way with 40 points. But it did feel like he left a few more on the table by settling for long jumpers. When it seemed like he could have gotten to the rim at will. Tatum finished uh, 12 for 30 from the floor, 6 for 17 from 3, 10 for 12 from the stripe. It was nice to see JT back at the line. 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and only 2 turnovers. This loss was definitely not on JT. He was every bit the superstar that we need. Jalen Brown, also great in this one. 12 for 25, 2 for 5 from 3, 3 for 3 from the line, 29 points, 8 rebounds, 4 steals, and a block. He has some great defense, uh, double-teaming Julius Randle for some of those steals. He also atoned for his missed free throws at the end of the last home game versus the Knicks with a huge and one to send the game into overtime. 
Al Horford, great game, 20 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, but for Al, you know, all he's going to remember is that he came up short on what would have been the game-winning 3 in double overtime off of a great find from Tatum. Uh, other notable box score, Grant Williams back in the rotation, playing some sturdy defense against Randall down the stretch. Grant played 44 minutes, scoring 9 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 pretty nice assists as well. All right, takeaways from this game. So I thought the Celtics missed Brogdon in this one. It felt like we were lacking like one more creator, especially with our ability to kind of just space the floor with Mr. Robinson on the court for so long. Uh, Rob's absence actually opened up the Celtics to play what I think is their better starting five this year for all the hoopla about how great last year's starting five was last year. It just hasn't really translated this year. So it seems like this is the five that they need to go with. I think from here on out, D. White should start and Rob should come off the bench unless a matchup specifically calls for two bigs. Can't really rely on Rob to be on the court anyway, so I think it's just better to keep him in that bench rotation. And, um, you know, D. White's been so good this year. Let's just roll with that five. And as we saw tonight, you know, Tatum can really hold his own against centers like Mitchell Robinson. And the offensive spacing is just more valuable than what I think Rob is currently bringing on D. Um, there's just not enough time right now. If Rob's going to miss, you know, a couple weeks with this hamstring injury, it's just better to keep this as a starting five and just break Rob out in the starting five whenever uh, a matchup calls for it. Second takeaway, Grant showed why despite being horrible of late, like really, really bad, he still has real value in playoff matchups. He's a playoff competitor. And while he's not going to be perfect and he wasn't perfect tonight, He's going to be big in matchups versus guys like Randall, Bam Adebayo, Giannis Antetokounmpo, etc. Overall, I'd still want to see Joe lean D. White to close games over Grant or Brogdon to close games over Brant, uh, Grant. Sorry, But in certain matchups, I think Grant provides the size we probably need. I'd just prefer Joe to see how my preferred starting five fares in matchups like the, these in crunch time. It's just like there's never enough D. White on the court. And um, I think he deserves that opportunity. And then finally, you know, the Knicks are just really, really fun. Undefeated since acquiring Josh Hart. They just have the feel of a team that is peaking at the right time. I mentioned this to Will on the second half of this pod, but they remind me of a baseball wildcard team that gets really hot at the right time and rides that momentum deep into the playoffs. So if Randall can continue to play at this level, IQ seems to have taken a little bit of a leap and RJ can be a fourth option. That's about as good of a four with Jalen Brunson back in the lineup as you're going to find without a true megastar on that roster. So Knicks, shout out to you Knicks fans. Uh, Matt Liptak, I know you're enjoying this one. All right, so I'm going to get out of here, send this over to the second half of the pod with my conversation with Will. And, um, you know, I hope your night isn't ruined like my night probably is as well. I'm going to try and put a smile on my face here and, uh, you know, just go be a good boyfriend. I just spent three hours watching the Celtics lose a double overtime game. All right, everybody. See you later. Hey, what's going on, everybody? All right. Welcome into another edition here of Green with Envy. Not the normal intro. You're going to hear my guy Greg here in just a minute if you're watching us on YouTube here on a Sunday afternoon. 
What up, what up, what up? It is good to be here. We are recording this right now, Sunday afternoon, in advance of the Celtics-Knicks game. So if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you'll hear all this at the beginning. If you're listening on the podcast, you might not hear some of this. Greg's going to do some of the magic of editing. It's kind of, it's one of the, I was thinking about this before we got hopped on here, Greg. One of the things I kind of love about podcasts is a little bit like time traveling. We can kind of warp our own reality into to what we need it to be to kind of fit our schedules. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. So we're recording this in advance of Celtics Knicks. We're going to hit a few other topics here that you'll hear throughout the podcast. But Greg, you know, right now we're going into the Celtics Knicks game and uh, coming off what, well, let's start here. Was the the game against the, against the Brooklyn Nets on Friday night, was that the worst loss of the season? Because that's what we're going into the Sunday night <laughs> game with. That, that's the energy that we need to address before we even get to talking about Celtics Knicks. It was a bad loss. Do you have a list of like the candidates of losses uh, that we can? can I didn't. I didn't go that deep because really, to me, it jumped out as there's there's two games that really stand out to me. It's this. It's that game, and it's just the complete meltdown that was the 150, 151 points in regulation to Oklahoma City. Yeah, like that was just that was just embarrassing. No, that was I don't know that one. I just kind of throw to the side. This game. I mean, this is the blowing of a 28-point lead, and you find a way to still lose by double digits. And mm-hmm. in a lot of the mic'd-up sessions that they had with Joe Missoula, he talked a lot about switch your mindset. Like, it's no longer a 28-point game. You guys kind of farted around and, and acted like we're we're at the Y right now. And and you could see, and I even, I even tweeted this out at one point when the 28-point lead was starting to dwindle down closer to single digits. And this is has been kind of, I mean, I don't want to, you know, once again, the Celtics are 45 and 19 a half game out of first place. Don't uh, ever want to overreact to one game, but it is frustrating when you see this team and it felt like early on in that game, it felt like the ball was moving. It felt like, oh, this is, you know, the, the Nets, like I, I thought there was going to be a smackdown all the way through. Mm-hmm. And just the way that the, they came out with some pretty good energy. I thought they had, they were getting good shots. They were moving the ball. And then they just, for whatever reason, hit a point where it got so casual. It got so flippant. It felt like, it was the last run, and we've already put our work in. This is just us kind of messing around here. And mm-hmm. you see the Celtics do this like on a mildly consistent basis at times when they get big leads. And so it becomes frustrating when you have a team like the Nets who are just a bunch of solid role players. And Mikael Bridges might be more than that because he had a really, really good game, and he's had a couple really nice games now getting to shine a little bit more. But when you have a bunch of guys that are just not going to quit, it's going to come bite you at and bite you in the ass at certain times. And so it was frustrating to watch. So I think it's between that and the Oklahoma city game. And, and I would probably lean Brooklyn just because you blew the lead, not just, you didn't show right. up. You came out, blew a lead and you're, and you're fighting for that one seat with the bucks right now. Yeah. I think, you know, lineups played a big role in that comeback. Missoula went back to the starting five uh, at the end of the, at the end of the first half when the lead initially dwindled down to nine points and when he went back to the starting lineup, the Nets were no longer with their like traditional lineup with Claxton at the five. That's when they went with their five wings. And we were we started to get really stagnant on offense because of that. Um, they were just switching everything and we we didn't really have the the lineup out there to take advantage of that. And then on the other end of the court, they were kind of going at Rob and going at Al whenever they wanted. You know, we even saw that at the end of the game that was continued to be the situation. Marcus Smart was in foul trouble for a little bit. And then, you know, we ended up <laughs> real quick on that. Have you ever seen someone get called for four go into the second half with zero fouls and get four fouls in under four minutes? I literally don't think I've ever seen that in any space. It literally Re- happened rec to- league, high school, wherever. 
it literally happened to Jalen McDaniels for the Sixers like two games ago. So that's the only other time. <laughs> okay, I didn't see. It. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I, what I was saying is at the at the end of the game, right? We still have have Al Horford on the court and Rob's off the court because Rob got hurt. But Derek White's on the bench. You know, it's it's Al Horford and Grant Williams, the two bigs in the game, and. I, I felt like we needed to make that switch. Like something else needed to happen because they were continuing to target Al. He hit the big three to get to get the game to nine, and then missed that layup that would have got it to seven. But they—that's what their offense was. It was find the mismatch, hunt it, and just relentlessly go at that. So the fact that Joe didn't see that—that's what was happening, and that we needed mm-hmm. to make an adjustment so that we could just guard one through five because they weren't big out there. Um, maybe they had some tougher rebounders than we did, but like we still would have had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the court, Grant Williams on the court to get rebounds. Like there was, there was a lineup out there that could have cracked the code against the Nets to kind of stem that tide a little bit. But you know, I, I, it was to answer your question, it was probably the worst loss of the season. But that was also a little bit of a trap game because we have this Celtics Knicks game here this afternoon. Yeah, and I think you know now that there's no KD, no Kyrie. You know, it's this is kind of a little bit of that Doc Rivers rule we talked about. When you don't have your best players, you kind of let your guard down a little bit. This is a, a difference. It's not just an injury sense, but it's a, it's a whole new team from the Brooklyn team that the Celtics before that had won ten straight games against, including the playoffs. So that was you know the first loss since you know since basically Kyrie stomped on Lucky you know a couple of years ago at this point. Um, but yeah, looking ahead to this Knicks game, that could have been exactly what was happening. And the Knicks are streaking man i mean obviously we saw them earlier in the week they beat the celtics pretty handily in madison square garden uh last monday night they're winners of eight in a row with the bucks going down to the sixers last night they are now the longest winning streak in the nba nine and one in their last 10 overall uh they had that epic game the other night against the the miami heat julius randall with the the step back to his right the double bang from mike breen uh i mean this Knicks team this is this is this is a game right now where i think it's the regular season still, and the Celtics are still going to be win or lose. They're still going to be in a very similar position either way. But this does feel a little bit like a gut check game. Like you know what the Knicks are bringing, you know the energy the Knicks are coming with. They beat you in your home court. We were there. We were there for the Jalen Brown miss free throws in that game. And I think you had a really great comment. I don't know if it was while we were at the game or maybe it was a, a subsequent pod, podcast that we did. But you said if, if you just took away the context of that and just walked into that arena. And this would apply for for last Monday night as well. And just said, don't worry about the records. Don't worry about who has an MVP candidate, who's whatever. Just just watch this game in a vacuum and tell me who do you think the better team is. The last two times these teams have met, the answer to both of those would be the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that was in a group text. I think I texted that to Liptak. But yeah, the Knicks the Knicks are looking great, man. I don't know if you were able to watch that um the f- actual full possession of Julius Randle's shot, but there were like three different times where the Heat almost forced a turnover and Randle yeah. like had to scramble to go get the ball and then somehow still hit that three-pointer. And the Knicks are starting to get that momentum and starting to feel a little bit like, you know, in in, in baseball when you have that wild card team that gets hot and ends up mm-hmm. making their run to the finals. I'm not saying that the Knicks are going to do that this year, but they're starting to feel more and more like a real team and not, you know, not just a, a flash in the pan, so to speak. You know, this is not just Lynn Sanity happening at a team wide level, right? This is this is actually 
good basketball with a team and a roster that makes a lot of sense and two guys that are just hard to guard and are bad matchups for the Celtics. So specifically looking at this matchup today, like historically, Julius Randle just cooks everybody on the Celtics. I thought maybe Grant Williams would be that stopper. He can't guard him. Al Horford, you would expect him to be able to guard him a little bit. He can't guard him. So like who else are you going to throw out there? We tried Blake Griffin the last time we played them, mm-hmm. I believe, and like Blake Griffin couldn't guard him. So like what are you supposed to do at that point with a guy like Julius Randle who's playing at this level Jalen Brunson you know he cooked us the first time we played them the second time he was still able to do his thing but that was probably his lowest scoring game and since like the turn of the calendar this year because Marcus Smart was back and I thought Marcus Smart did a really good job just containing him and his scoring output so this game this afternoon I think is really important for the Celtics and it's actually funny because we just played a very similar game gut check game against the Cavs because the Cavs had beaten us twice earlier in the season. We needed to get that to prove that we could beat them and I think we need to do that today against the Knicks. Yeah, it's you know it's it's going to be a fun matchup. I think the other thing, the other matchup that I'm really looking at that that you didn't touch on was and when we talked about this in our last episode uh, was Mitchell Robinson versus versus Rob Williams. It, it's kind of a matchup. It's it's not a great matchup for Rob, but you know, I as think you look at, out today. Oh, is he out today? Yeah. Oh, he hurt okay. his hamstring. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, another thing that obviously, yeah, that's right. Him and Malcolm, I think, are both going to be. I think Brogdon's maybe questionable with ankle soreness. So I guess we won't see that. But it's how do we respond? Because you know, once again, as we talked about, and you know, you laid out like we really haven't had. It feels like we've had longer sustained stretches with Rob Williams than we actually really have, and we haven't. You know, and so this is another. You know, hey, here's here's Joe Mazzula. Here's a you know. A, a simulated experience of a potential playoff matchup. Rob's out. He goes out in game three. You, mm-hmm. This could be a round two matchup right now. If the Celtics em, end up back in the one seed, looks like the Knicks are going to be fighting with the Cavs, potentially only a game and a half back, that four or five matchup. So if this is your second round matchup and you're coming into game three, game four, whatever it is, Rob's tweaked. All right. Mitchell Robinson has been really good since he came back from injury. He really makes a big difference with their defense, with, you know, basically a lot of the things that Rob does for our team when he's at his best is a lot of the things that Mitchell Robinson does for the Knicks. So what's that response? How are you going to handle that along with everything else that you just said and the way that this team is playing at their peak? And so this is a potential playoff matchup where I do think the Celtics need to kind of treat this as as that simulated experience as, you know, hey, whoever we have available, let's play this like we're playing a playoff game to kind of get that feel. So I think that's going to be a really fun matchup. Greg, if you're if you're listening to this right now on YouTube, Greg is going to have a recap for that here in the podcast. If you listen to me say this on the podcast, you probably already heard it. Greg put it at the front. He's a wizard. He's going to manipulate time so that everything makes sense in chronological order here on our podcast. But for right now, we want to transition to another topic that's happening in the NBA. And while, you know, everything that we, when it comes to Celtics Twitter, things can get pretty doom and gloom, especially for a game like the Nets. And I'll be honest, I kind of stayed away from Celtics Twitter after that game. I just kind of put it in my back pocket. We've been there. We, we've, we've seen what happens when, you know, events like this happen that we, we get really upset about. And then you look around the NBA and you look specifically to what's happening in Memphis with a guy like John Morant. And in general, really bad day for the Memphis Grizzlies. I was I was golfing yesterday, Greg, and at the turn at one point, I got a couple text messages of people talking about the John Morant news. And I pulled out my phone, and there's about seven to eight notifications from Shams and Woj. All of them are just bad Grizzlies news. Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks suspended one game for 16 texts. Brandon Clark out for the season. And then, of course, multiple John Morant texts involving 
basically the follow-up of what's, of what's already been a bad week with, you know, as we talked about during our all-NBA MVP discussions, you know, and, and how that honestly affected a little bit of our mindset going into how do we feel about where John Morant's going to be. You know, he has the altercation with a 17-year-old guy in his hometown over the summer. Uh, you know, fists are thrown, guns are brought out, a lot of he said, he said type stuff. And, you know, and so that's that's kind of the start of the week. And now you get to the end of the week where John Morant's at a nightclub on his Instagram live, you know, posing with a gun may have been a toy gun. I think I've read in a, in a few places, not, not sure what to, what <laughs> that to make of that. Toy gun. I, that's not a toy I'm saying I didn't look like it. It didn't look like it to me, but I've, I've seen that out there. I like I said, I, I don't, I don't know, but did not look like one by any. <laughs> Who carries around a toy gun? Like why? why at a nightclub? I don't know, man. Toy gun? I have no idea. I just, like I said, I just seen it out there. Just saying that's what I've seen. Not a, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so then with that, he's now going to be stepping away from the team. You know, at least a t- I don't know. I don't know if it's technically a suspension or it's just removing himself, kind of, you know, from the from the team for a little bit to get right. And it made Greg and I both think a little bit. You know, John Morant's twenty three years old. We just celebrated Jason Tatum's. I like that I said we because we just love Jason Tatum so much. So it's like we felt like part of the celebration, even though it didn't didn't go great. Obviously, we just talked about that Nets game earlier. But Jason Tatum just turned. 25 and it's crazy because he's you know the running joke of course is that jason tatum's 19 and it feels like he's been in the league for almost a decade i mean it is you know six seven years at this point like it's been it's been a long time but it made us start to think of just jalen brown and jason tatum and how young these guys are but how appreciative we are actually that the only issues we've ever had to talk about with jalen brown jason tatum is on court there has not never been a moment that we've really had to die, dive ourselves into, you know, these off court type issues. And I hope John Morant, you know, gets it figured out. I mean, he, I, I love watching him play. I hope, you know, everything gets figured out. But it really shines a light that as Celtics fans, how kind of blessed we are that that these are the guys that we've been building this team around and almost the maturity that that they've had at the young ages of 25 and 26, respectively. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw Jason Tidham, uh Jason Tittum. Jason Tittum. Jason Titties. <laughs> maybe on his twenty fifth birthday he turned into Jason Titties. I don't know. But no, well he didn't. So he posted a video um that Brett Hampton shot and it was just shout on out to his, Shout out to Brett. It was, it was just on his Instagram. And it just made me think about just right now, as you were talking, the way that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have cultivated like their public persona and cult- cultivated an image, but it, it also doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel like yeah. they're trying to like make them appear to be some type of way. But I was thinking as we were talking about Ja, just like maybe Ja needs like a Brad Hampton in his life. You know what I mean? Somebody to kind of like document or, like every step of the way this journey that he's on. Cause like when you start reviewing that footage, maybe you start thinking like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing all these things that I've been doing and just like living the, I guess, the celebrity lifestyle yeah. that I mean, it's it's, it's like it's like it's like watching film on the court, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't be going under those screens against Steph Curry or, you know, you <laughs> yeah. start to reevaluate whatever it might be. Yeah. And I, I, I want to save my thoughts on uh, Jalen and Jason just for a little bit here, because I think I want to have a little bit of a wider um, just understanding of what's going on with Ja right now. Right. So like I, I was thinking about it and like normally when someone starts acting out and flexing like Ja has been flexing, 
they're kind of compensating for something going on in their life, whether that's stress, anxiety, or some other like subconscious back of the mind inadequacy that they've got going on. And Josh sort of alluded to that in, in the statement that he put out that he's been like dealing with a bunch of stuff. We don't know what that stuff is. Who, who knows? Maybe that was just trying to save face. But I, I believe that because I know from own, my own personal experience and just being a human being, a lot of times when you are dealing with stuff, you tend to try to overcompensate for things, right? So quick shout to Josh, hoping he gets the help that he needs before he ends up being like a tragic tale and an example of what not to do. Hopefully this is the nadir of, of the Ja Morant, um, you know, fiasco that's been going on. I also thought it was interesting reading Paul Pierce's comments on Ja. Have you had a chance to, to see what Paul said? I have not seen that. Can you give me a, a summary or to just talk about it a little bit? Basically he was defending Ja and, you know, talking about his own experiences, having been stabbed um, multiple times like he was early in his career and how that he always carried a gun on him because basically as a black um, megastar, he's a target, mm -hmm. right? And he yeah. was saying like, you, do, you don't understand like Ja is, he, he's a target just because of who he is, right? So I was thinking about that. And first, what are your thoughts on Paul Pierce coming out and sort of defending Ja Morant? I mean, so one of the things that, I, especially in these situations, I always try to think about is, you know, we say this a lot in the show, context matters, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to understand the mindset of where they're coming from. And and to be honest, like Paul Pierce can get into that mindset. I can't, I, I can, yeah. I'm from a distance. I'm, I'm not in that position. I never will be. I'll never be, you know, in the position John Morant is with all of those other factors coming into it. He's, you know, 23 years old. Like that is a lot to weigh on. And so, you know, I think Jalen Rose, I heard Jalen Rose's comments, which were, you know, echoed, you know, something very similar to that, where, you know, it just talks about, you know, growing up and becoming, you know, he said something um, during his, it was right before the Buck Sixers game, where he talked about, you know, whatever Jaws role in his crew was with his group of friends, there's always kind of a hierarchy, right? Like mm -hmm. this person might be the leader. This is the, the, the planner, this person, you all have different roles, even within your own, your own friend group, your own network. Once John Morant signed that deal and got drafted by the Grizzlies, he becomes the leader. Whether or not that was his role within that group, he's the face of, of his, his group, his social network, his family. He's that representation. Mm -hmm. And that's not always an easy adjustment. And so to that, it kind of speaks a little bit to, to Paul Pierce's point that, you know, it's 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 a very different lifestyle and how you adjust, how you react, what your what your circle is. Like it it takes a while to kind of maybe figure out what that might be. So you know, as as much as I'll never be in that, I, I think Paul Pierce's comments don't don't super surprise me. Obviously, knowing the the background that we that we have from Paul Pierce's situation, um, in which I know I had a I had a youth football coach that was involved in that entire situation. So, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that situation like we do, I, I'm not surprised by the comments, and I think it makes a, a little bit of sense. And everybody's scenario is so different, which is why you know, with a guy like John Rant, from at least what I've seen from a distance, I don't want to rush to go judge this guy and say he's a clown look at how dumb he is it's like i don't know man like, like we, i don't know his setup and i'm like to your point that you mentioned i'm glad he's going to get that help but i think i think paul pierce's comments actually make a lot of sense and i think he is a very appropriate person to be to be speaking on the matter are you familiar with the young Dolph uh murder that happened in memphis or who young Dolph is I know, I know he was a rapper that was murdered i don't know the the details of it okay um, so I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second. But I, as I was thinking about the Paul Pierce comments, it made me think that maybe Ja 
you know, is kind of dealing with some shit in Memphis where he felt like he needed to associate with people who might be able to provide him with some protection, maybe even demonstrate he wasn't an easy target. I saw some people like kind of floating that out there that like maybe Jaws dealing with some stuff and he he has added people to to his friend group that might be able to provide him with a little bit more protection. I don't know if the people that are with him all the time are people he grew up with or how many people have just entered his life recently. I don't have that information, but yeah. that's just something to consider. And to, to me, you know, the feeling about needing to kind of flex on the internet and seemingly put it out there that you're not somebody to F with, letting people know that you're strapped, you know, which is legal, obviously. John Morant has that right to, to carry a weapon, but he was, I think he was in Denver where it happened. So, they, like he wasn't allowed to have to have his gun with him, and then you got to consider all of the stuff with his Nike deal and all that. But John, ja, by showing the gun, the real gun on uh, Instagram Live, he's kind of making himself a target, right? If he feels like he's a target in the city where one of their crown jewels, Young Dolph, was murdered in broad daylight, and we, you know, you would have thought that the fact that Young Dolph is just like super famous rapper from Memphis that would have made made him untouchable in the city of Memphis. I think Jaws kind of like putting himself in extreme danger with like showing that, like, hey, if you're gonna come around me, just know that like I got that thing on me, and like so do my boys. You know what I mean? So like, I don't really know like about that life. I'm not about that life, but I do know that in Memphis, like, there is a there's a lot of violence and gun violence in that city. And I don't know if, if Ja like being the new face of the city has made some people jealous. Like when you go back and you look at the young Dolph story where he was there, he, people tried to take his life multiple times and eventually he was literally murdered in broad daylight, like streets from where he grew up at like a donut shop. You know what I mean? And like, he had comments about how he just thought everyone that was trying to kill him, they were just jealous that, that he kind of made it out. You know what I mean? So like in Memphis where that type of stuff happens, who knows? Maybe Ja does feel like he need he needs to like have that protection and show people that like don't don't mess with me. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately to put a, you know a little bit of a bow on the on the Ja Morant of, you know, part of the situation is just it, it, he needs to start surrounding himself with better decisions. Like cuz some of this is is with his crew, some of it's with him. Ultimately, you know, despite being 23, like there does come a time where you just have to start putting yourselves in in better scenarios to be successful and and what we've seen you know over the last stretch with with some of these decisions of of whose jobs with whose his crew is and you know where he is and the decisions he's making it, it, it's just it, to me it's just a level of of immaturity but we also don't know the circumstance but you have to start to to kind of build that protection. So I hope Ja does that. Hope Ja is continuing to make progress. But you know, with that, before we we go to our final segment here, Greg, like I said, one, I know you wanted to circle back and talk about how this made us then reflect on, you know, the team that we cover. And, you know, we've had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you know, and, and you can throw Marcus Smartens because he's been here since a since he was a rookie. So I feel like we've had, you know, a lot of the core of this team. Those three would really be probably the central core when you look at this Boston Celtics team. And, you know, we've watched them kind of grow up and it's been, you know, relatively incident free. And, you know, anything that we have, it, you know, when, when Celtics fans get really upset about a 28 point lead that gets blown, that's on the court, man. Like that's on the court. Like, like, yeah, I, I wish sometimes, you know, Jalen Brown didn't have certain turnovers. or I wish sometimes Marcus Smart didn't take a, a three when he shouldn't or whatever that might be. But when those are your issues and 
the t- in those three guys are having the success that they've had, it just makes us it makes me feel really appreciative as a fan that like, hey, this is the team that I love watching the team that I, you know, even before there, this is the team that like they're representing the team that I've loved my entire life to watch play basketball. And these are the mm-hmm. guys that I continue to watch night in and night out. So it, it just makes me feel a little bit extra appreciative of the s- situation that we have with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Brown, he's, he's almost carrying on the legacy of like a Bill Russell, you know, within the city, the fact that he's, he's so conscious of the need to have, you know, black leadership in the city of Boston Mm -hmm. and to have black representation, small business, the fact that he started juice and all that. Like, I think Jalen, this is why I never wanted to trade Jalen. I think he's super, super important to the city of Boston. Then you have Marcus Smart, who's very community oriented, is always giving back, has gone through his own struggles in his life that have allowed him the perspective to be like, this is, this is the impact that I want to make. I want to be a good person, so on and so forth. And then you have Jason Tatum, who like kind of represents like the the family values side of things, right? Where he's just like great father to Deuce. Deuce is at everything. The video that Jason just put out there for his 25th birthday, like obviously we're going to have shots of Deuce in that. Deuce is right there yeah. at the birthday party. Think about like the way John Morant is is celebrating his life, you know, at the strip club, you know, flashing the gun and all that. Hey man, I've been to a strip club. I love a good strip club story, right? But <laughs> like, <laughs> but I think with Tatum, like that's not the way that he's choosing to go out and and kind of just like represent himself and represent the team and all that like they all have this such a great understanding of like the legacy of the organization you know what it means to have a good public image and also just to be good people that you know want to make the world a better place like really that's kind of what I feel about all three of those guys on the team is that they're all like moving things forward for for not only the team not only the city but like society as a whole like you really can get to that point with those guys without feeling corny about it you know what i mean it's like oh like Jalen brown like really cares about making the world a better place well his actions prove that you know what i mean yeah and i think it's really important for the city of boston and for celtics fans to embrace that and be like you know what these are the guys like yeah winning a championship matters but like we want guys that represent our organization and represent themselves in a way that like upholds the respect that they have for themselves yeah, and they and they seem authentic, and that's I think that's the the, yeah. the biggest part of it is that it seems it feels very very authentic, and I think that's what that's what leads us to appreciate them. And I hope that you know for for those that are listening, it doesn't mean you can't get frustrated with stuff that happens on the court, but you know that these are the guys that the Celtics have built this team around, have built a team that is poised to to not just be a, a I mean they haven't been a flash they've been in multiple conference finals over the last couple of years went to the finals last year and you know this team does not feel like there's there's any reason to slow down over the next couple of years with this core you know just don't take them for granted that's and that's that's basically all I got on that with the with that said Greg let's keep a vibe check All right, you want to you want to take this one first, Greg? I feel like I feel like you got something. You got something. If you don't, I, I'm happy to take it. But I feel well, like you hey, got something in the chamber. First of all, I gotta say, shout out to you for like not jumping in when I mentioned I love a good strip club story. <laughs> I, uh, I I was I was gonna say maybe maybe we'll make a uh, YouTube only cut of uh, of some of some good strip club stories, but <laughs> I, I figured I'd, I'd keep that reserved for now. 
Yeah, yeah, good call, good call. All right, uh, my vibe check of the week. I am vibing with uh, home improvement projects. You know, the two of us became homeowners recently yesterday, and not only home improvement projects, but like spontaneous home improvement projects where you don't necessarily have all the tools that you need to get the job done, but you still figure out a way to do it. So yesterday, uh, Danielle and I are sitting outside in our backyard. We had just mowed our lawn. Well, I had mowed the lawn. Danielle didn't mow the lawn. And we're, <laughs> we're sitting out there and we were kind of just hanging outside. Danielle had made like a little charcuterie board. So we're having like a little picnic in the, in the backyard. And we're looking around. We're talking. It's like such a beautiful day. We're talking about: Do we want to try and like hang out with people? What are our social batteries like at that day? And we realized that we had a lot of energy, but like we didn't necessarily like want to go kick it with the crew. So we we're like, all right, what are we gonna do? And we start like just talking about different ways that we can improve the house and things that that just like need to be taken care of. And we looked around and we were like, hey, we've got all of these like cinder blocks sitting around in different points of the yard from the previous owner. They had like kind of designed the backyard in a certain way with plants and flowers and mm -hmm. all that. And we were like, we don't like plants. Like we don't like garden or anything like that. So how can we make this backyard a little bit more our own with the things that are already in here? So what we did is we took all of these um, like cinder blocks and we decided to like build a patio like an extension of our back patio to move our grill. So basically it ended up being just like a place for the grill, which makes our patio itself a lot more um, functional. Yeah. So we re did that. the space. You, yeah, reutilize the space. So we ended up doing that in about three hours. Um, I had to carry these probably, I don't know, 30, 30 pound cinder blocks around the yard. So I got my workout in. Workout in. Yeah, like we're, it. you know, we're raking up the soil. There's like, I don't, I don't know what it's called, but some sort of like cloth like material that people put into the bottom of like flower beds and stuff like that to make mm -hmm. sure that like grubs don't get it. So we had to like pull up all that stuff. We're raking it, we're re leveling the soil. And at the end of the day, it came out looking great. I'm really happy we did it. And um, I just love, the idea that we didn't have to plan this. It's just something we spontaneously did and it, it came out great. Yeah. Happened organically. Love that. Are you going to, you're going to post a picture of that for, for everybody to see on, on Instagram? I mean, I could. I, so I mean, I'm we just were, saying, it's, we were a little. You talk about how beautiful it is, and so now I want the people to see it. You know what? I I really wish we had done was taken a before and after. So I don't know if you follow uh, Aaron Blackerby from our basketball team on, on I do. Instagram. Yeah, he's doing a, a run, him and his wife are doing, or, or soon to be wife, I believe. His and his fiance. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, I believe they're doing a a renovation project. I've seen him uh, post like before and after in the kitchen yeah. with some tiling, whatever else. Yeah, and he'll do. do the thing like like click to see our kitchen transform. You know, like that. I wish we had done something like that so like because it was spontaneous and we didn't necessarily have a plan going into it i don't know that the before and after would have made sense because i didn't know what the after was going to yeah. look like i didn't have a vision for it until it started happening organically uh, but it was a lot of fun man and danielle and i at the end we were just like well we're in our backyard it's beautiful out like let's keep this backyard energy rolling so what we we did is we brought our little uh super nintendo out there and we decided to play some donkey kong and super mario world on our projector outside so it ended up being a great day i like that danielle's turning you into like a gamer nerd in different ways <laughs> um I, I think this is a, a great development for you know 34 year old greg especially because you know and, and you've made you've mentioned this before you were always and not that like so for you were always a little bit left out of the video game circle. Yeah. For the, for the most part. I think there, there was a stretch when we were younger that like when we were really young where you would literally walk down to my house and wake me up to play video games. Yeah. So that was that was a different era. But then there was like, a, like later like more like high school-ish probably a little bit college where 
like sometimes we would just be sitting around like just hanging out playing video games and it was just like oh yeah we'll call greg when we do something else yeah. you know it was, it was it was almost like like an afterthought but now uh you know being with danielle who is a gamer having seeing you wanting to like now go get like you know uh nba 2k and stuff it's just it's a different side of you that i, I like seeing this this development in you that's that's coming along here well age 34 <laughs> yeah as a kid like you know my brother and i we, we would always play um street fighter 2 so i had super nintendo that was the system yeah. that i had growing up with super nintendo Well, because you had that before a lot of people had other, like once people started going over to like playstation and n64 you guys didn't keep really going with that but y'all well i think you guys had a playstation but like having that super nintendo was like i remember that was like a big deal when we were you know whatever oh yeah seven years old playing ken griffey jr baseball on that yeah. with all the Madden. made up names except for ken griffey yeah exactly yeah we played joe and mac uh street fighter um trying to think if there are any other games that we played all the time but um yeah i was a super nintendo kid my next door neighbor was a Sega kid and my cousin Steve, um, not Steve Moy, but Steve Keedy mm-hmm. on, my, on my dad's side was a Sega kid. So I play a lot of Sonic, play a lot of Mortal Kombat and stuff like that. Um, you had a Nintendo 64. So what I would do, because I, I was stuck with the Super Nintendo, Will got the new system, he had the, he had the N64. So fourth grade, fifth grade, I would always walk down to Will's house like super early in the morning before Will was even awake and Will's <laughs> grandma was there and she would answer the door. She'd wake William up. She'd like call for William to come out of the bedroom. Will would come out wrapped in his comforter, <laughs> just like, like butt ass naked, wrapped in his comforter and he'd just be like, oh, what's up, bro? Like, like He'd like kind of shuffle his feet back to, to back to his bedroom where we'd sit there and we'd literally play like Cruising USA or um, like some version of Ken Griffey Jr your baseball before yeah. school every single morning uh so that's kind of like I, I don't even think we talked I think I think because I'm so I was just so like what up whatever we just yeah. literally would have the sticks and then we would just be playing you know cruising USA through the redwood forest or some yeah. crap yeah. like no, I remember that bro oh my god all right good times good times good times that's uh that's a good, a good trip down memory lane I like I like how we got there after all that that was good um, all right, let me do my vibe check and then we'll we'll get everybody out of here and then we can all I know you got some brunch plans as we're recording this and then you'll have everything recap for the the front end of this podcast. I'm I, I, this is a tough one for me, Greg. Okay. My vibe checks a little bit of a catch 22. Last night you talked about how yesterday was beautiful out here in Austin, Texas where we record. Uh you know, we played hoop in the morning, which was great. Loved getting like yesterday was very active for me. It was you know, went and went and played some hoop. Went right after that, came back, golfed, and then was just like, man, I don't want to go in. Like, it's just like, I'm just, I was enjoying just being outside. And so a few friends we were, I was with playing golf, we're going to um, a show at a, at a venue out here called Stubbs. I was like, I don't even know who it is, but it's an outdoor venue. It's just a nice night. I just wanted to be like out and be, be around the, the energy you know? And so I was like, all right, let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the show. And, you know, took it like, it wasn't a, nothing crazy of a night, just kind of like hung out. And then end of the night, probably like around midnight or so it was, was heading out. And I was going to get some shawarma point. Oh, love me some shawarma point. First of all, it was closed. I don't know what was going on. I was very, very upset. So I settled for the other shawarma truck that was across the street. Still good. Not quite shawarma point, but here's my catch 22. Late night food, man. When you hit that, when you hit that shawarma late at night, woo, just inject it into the veins, man. I there was a point where I probably should have stopped, but it was just so good. You know, you got a couple drinks in you, and you're just like, man, this shawarma is just hitting perfectly. Chef's kiss. 
pay for it the next morning though. It's been it's been a little slow moving today. <laughs> the the shor- the, shor- the shormers got me doing a little little two step little you know a little bathroom shuffle back and hey, forth. Hey, so here's my question: Did you go brown people spicy? I know it was in shawarma point, and maybe they don't have the same like level. Yeah, of spice. they didn't they didn't have the same, and that that was part of the issue. Like it was really tasty. It wasn't super spicy, mm-hmm. um, which is. You know, now that, like I said, it's a catch 22. So the fact that it wasn't super spicy, it's probably a little bit helpful, you know, the day <laughs> after, if, if you know what I'm saying. Sorry for yeah. a, little bit, a little bit much for y'all, but you know, this is what we do here. We're much like we just talked about the Jays. We try to be authentic. This, this would probably be a conversation it's if Greg like, and so I were he, in person, we'd have. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing with Schwarm Point. When you go brown people spicy, it's like, all right, this is, these are the moments where I really, really wish I had a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just like oh boy like i sh- i should not go brown people spicy next time i go to shawarma point but it, to your point man in the moment shawarma late night that's got to be one of the best late night foods like chinese food sometimes hit or miss you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're in dorchester china sky picking raviolis like all day like <laughs> sign me up for those but i i would say Moving to Texas and living in Austin, of all the different late night foods that I could get, I think a twic- that ch- ch- chicken chicken shawarma wrap is probably top two late night foods. I don't know what the it's other elite. one would be. There's, there's no the doubt. It's, just, it's it's elite. I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I didn't come in this with a ranking, but the, the funny part about it was, you know, without it being spoken. So I was with uh, with our friends Vinny and Ted, and without speaking about it. Both Vinny and I had a plan that the night was ending in shawarma. So without without talking about it, this was already just like we're in the area, we're we're finding shawarma before we leave, and that was literally how the night ended. We both got shawarma, called an Uber, see you later. <laughs> that was the end of the night, and it was an unspoken truth of going to get some elite late night food. Catch twenty two, you got to pay for it on the back end. But you know what? I, I don't do this. This is you know this is thirty three year old Will. Very rare that I'm in that area doing late night food like that super often. So. When you're there, I think sometimes the consequences are, are just kind of worth it. So you got to pull the plug. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. So that's my vibe check is checking in with some late night shawarma folks. If you're out there having a few nightcaps, if it's available, highly, highly recommend suiting yourself up with some shawarma. All right. But that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. Appreciate y'all tuning in. As always, we are, you can find it or you can find us at Green Envy Pod, Twitter, Instagram. We're streaming a lot more of this on YouTube. We are TikTok. building up our YouTube channel and our TikTok. Is our TikTok handle also at Green Envy Pod? I know I you believe, and Mark have so. kind of been, been running that. So we'll clarify that for you next time here. But make sure that you're also following us on YouTube as we are live streaming a lot of our recordings now. And no, if you guys want to tune in, you guys want to be a part of the podcast, number one, our DMs are always open. You guys can always email us, CelticsNoise at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. something you guys want us to talk about. Let us know. We'll talk about it. Uh, but if you want to start joining us for some of these recordings, it's live. If you want to leave a comment, go to YouTube. Drop a comment in there for us. We'll shout you out. We'll we'll mix it up. We'll make sure you get addressed. So we'd love to hear the feedback. We appreciate everybody for supporting as always. And with that, Greg, any final so- any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Uh, we are recording this before the Celtics-Knicks game, so I'm going to have a quick prediction for you. I think the Celtics win the game tonight. I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go for a combined 70 points tonight. I'm going to predict a 70-point uh, 
Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown combination score right there. Thoughts on I'm, that? I'm, I'm just I'm just very excited to whatever happens tonight. We're recording this before. <laughs> when I listen to the beginning of this podcast to hear you address how either spot on or how way off you are, I'm very excited to hear that now. <laughs> I think the Knicks need to come back down to earth, and I think the Celtics will help them uh, make that fall. So with that, we are going to play some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimist, and this one is called Skywalk. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be cash your feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't 